Aloha. Hello. Hello, hello. Uh, I am giving you episode one of season two of Credit in the Straight World, winter edition, COVID edition. Um, so all these have been recorded during COVID, and obviously COVID's still happening while uh, I upload this. Uh, but there's uh, some new things to break the, the mold with that that are positive. We have a sponsor. It's Cow Cow Coffee, uh, Hawaiian Coffee in New York. What about that? K-A-U-K-A-U-N-Y-C.com is how you spell that. And it's roasting, brewing, and serving Aloha in Brooklyn and Queens. So you can go to that site if you want to purchase coffee to get a bit of Hawaii uh, in your cup. And that's cool, right? And uh, to speak for everything this season, it's like take some time out of uh, episode one to explain. We have... A bartender, a barista, a teacher, um, filmmaker that takes film jobs and is a filmmaker. But, you know, the whole point of this thing is the the day job versus the night job and whatever that means. And my own journey is making a film. And that said, I'm drinking rosé out of a paper cup in Los Angeles because I've been working on my film And while I'm trying to make my film, I'm just dragging people through it with this podcast and the people I've met along the way. So these are the people I met throughout this journey, and I'm honored to have met them. And I I just want to sit down and talk about the same process I go through, which is having to work to pay your rent and having to work to pay your art rent and whatever or whatever it is you're you're pursuing. So This is the first episode for season two, and this one's great. This is with uh, uh, someone I met at a wine shop who DJs and is like an incredible DJ and um, total uh, badass when it comes to working service and retail, and also same with when she gets on the turntable. Um, she's teaching right now during COVID and it's pretty thick. So, so what better person to start off this season than Cynthia? And she will, we talk about everything from teaching to DJing to working in a wine shop and, uh, Hennessy and delight. Oh my God. That's so crazy. Cause I've been, I've been watching everything delight. I mean, I'm going, that's the whole I've gone back into oh recently. I actually, actually just made a mixtape for a friend in Portland. And I put two delight songs and I put, uh, I actually just put it back on my shelf. But the, they're just so ahead of their fucking what time. A, it's insane. What, uh, like the interview with her and her boyfriend just them two was so riveting for me it was like a by it's a bygone era those two like yeah their foresight was dimitri yes yes he had just moved hot russian what a hot couple yes Mm. they were (sighs) like we were very much in love we're partners (sighs) see that's a that's a new york story that's the new york that i I... (laughs) and wanted a piece of and never Never stood a chance. <laughs> what year was that? Do you think that New York will... Br- Let me save it for the conversation. Yeah, well, we're already <laughs> starting. So, um, you're on... I can see your levels here. It looks okay. pretty good. Good? Like, kind of stay in that position. Should I be, like, this far from it? Is okay? Yeah, that, that's perfect. Okay. Put you up. It will look good. I look a little hot. Um, but I'll do, I'll when do don't you? <laughs> yeah, and you're referring to flop sweat. You refer to me when am I not hot? Hot flashes. You know, my friend in Portland, he's gay, but he said, um, what did he say? Oh, I said, what I was saying was that um, 
I have a podcast at the, you know, like, how are you doing? Like, his city is burning down. My city is dead. His is on the way to death. But um, I said, oh, yeah, I'm working. I'm doing a podcast tonight. Um, and I'm up, my next one I'm uploading, um, which I'm still editing, which should be up like in a week, is with my DP. Um, and I don't know that I, I, I'm not one of those people. Uh, I think this is also a very New York thing or a, a, an industry thing to act like people know what I'm referring to. But if I, if I ever say something that's like abbreviated that you don't get or, you know, so I said DP. So that was in, my follow up. I was like deputy of police. <laughs> no. Well, from film. Okay. Is it I like, wor- you know, you know, I'm working on this film, but grip number one. <laughs> nice. So Sarah is on my, I guess when I, when this episode gets put up, will be the previous one, but she's my director of photography. Cinematographer is mm. also work for it, but you, mm-hmm. uh, we just say DP yes. when you talk yes. a film, like working in it or video. Um, and then he said, which is just a perfect reminder as to who I am and who I can't apparently ever be, can never be a, a, I'm really not good at being gay. So he said, he's like, he said, we met. He said, (laughs) he said double penetration. I Uh, said, excuse me. I, I was like, do I not know that that's actually what that means in the gay world? And he was like, yeah, it's DP. So I'm like, fail like i'm how am i this old and i still don't know these things you're a you're a special protected child (laughs) of of god i do not live in a gated community with culture (laughs) yeah no i just don't (laughs) i just don't do well in that that world yeah i didn't know what you meant by dp either which way okay well now i know uh but, but I, now I have to type out and text director, photographer, or cinematographer. That's so long. Why do you... No, you don't. You know, film has film has been around almost as long as um, pop homosexuals. So I don't feel the need that... I, I feel like I'm a better filmmaker than I am a gay person. So a gay boy. So I don't... Understood. I, do I have to... Well, what I, I mean, wanna... I didn't go to college for <laughs> gay. No, that just, Isn't that just didn't come natural? naturally. That's just, yeah. Uh, yeah, you can't, instinct, huh? You can't teach that. No. But I want to know why my, well, my television is suggesting these fiber pills that clear out your butt. So for some reason, my TV <laughs> thinks that I'm a bottom, which I am. But um, I appreciate the suggestion very much. How does Google know all this stuff? Probably because I've been watching RuPaul's Drag Race. I think that, yeah. That explains a lot because I stopped watching years ago. Yeah. Because all the queens started. You lost your connect. Mm. And now (laughs) they can't trace me. You know, once you turn your back on RuPaul, you're fucked. You never, ever slight RuPaul. Well, yeah. That explains why I've been getting ads for like chainsaws and uh, yeah, yeah, like, um, construction hats, um, like colon cancer <laughs> medicinal ads. Uh, okay, so usually I'm supposed to do like the intro at the beginning, but who cares where I put it? So let's do it. Uh. Yeah, this <laughs> this is. Uh, I'm down. I'm gonna overdub that this is sponsored by my coffee company, and then we're gonna um, the intro music. Well, part of it will be Lil Kim. Um, but then that's the very, li- that's very dignified of you, Kayla. <laughs> so I'll overdub the intro. I'll say that I'm talking to my friend Cynthia, but I must ask you, who are you? Okay.
That's a big question. Yeah. Who the hell are you? Um, my name is Cynthia. Here we go. Identity formation, gender, ethnicity, all those kinds of associations. What will I go with? I'm going to talk about the capacity in which I know you. I think um, I'm a, I am a, a currently teaching science, and I know you, Kayala. We met in, whew, was it? Okay, it was the year that Tim was at the shop, and that was... What shop? Oh, Crucial, crucial. Okay, <laughs> so I was a um, jack of all trades and a master of zero trades, but just moved to New York in about 2010, and I think I met you in 2013, I'm going to guess. No, yeah, twenty, maybe 2012, maybe 2013? 12. 12. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, I worked at a wine store. You came in. Wonderful. <laughs> I'm so glad I unleashed my creep on you. I I felt safe enough. You gave me the vibrations and I took them. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he's ready. Not everyone was. We we uh, I think we were vibrating at a frequency of miserable. <laughs> Always. Always. Um and. So I was a patron. Pa patron of the wine store. Well, I didn't know. Was that your first time? Or were you had you patroned our shop before? I had patroned before, but I didn't. Did I ring you up? I don't. To my memory, I never met. I didn't get rung up by you. I had gone to that wine shop before you probably worked there. Right? Because it was like a wine and sake place. Yeah. Strictly. Yes. And you were there during that era. Yes. But it wasn't till the when that place got um, bought out, which this is a place in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. <laughs> Historically significant crossover of events with real estate, ownership, mm -hmm. scandal, perhaps. Um, mismanagement of funds, definitely. <laughs> Um, but you know, there's a time and a place. I think the the ebb and flow of ownership was just yeah. right. So, let's talk for a minute about exactly what Williamsburg meant and means. You know, because it was a this is a very Williamsburg situation that we met in, and Big the time. neighborhood was like Big time part. Like, I always look at it as like there's a Bedford stop and then there's a Lorimer stop. And I always consider the Bedford stop to be the pinnacle of where all this Brooklyn shit started. Absolutely. Good and bad. Absolutely. A lot of bad for me. And that I, I moved here when that stuff was blowing up. And then Lorimer is the next stop on the L train. Yeah. And then that was like That was like the coming. final. Yeah, yeah. The final throw of hipster uh, spread. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I... Before I, I just, for my own curiosity, how, when did you move to New York? What year was it? You moved here before me, but. I it was uh, winter, it was fall of 2006. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, um, I think like the first time I'd come to New York, I was 21, barely. So coming from San Diego, California, where I grew up, I was just really blown away by the shift in energy just because like on a molecular level everything is stacked on top of each other so there's a way more going on energetically there are literally like atoms moving in shorter spaces and my whole um growing up was very like strip mall so i was very titillated by new york city and i thought it was so cool and i wanted to be cool too so I dreamt about moving here so long, but I think I visited three or four times before I finally made the move in 2009. So it took me like eight years or seven years to actually move my ass over here. And then when I got here, 
it was right after the economy had crashed. Like I remember there were buildings that were not that had halted construction in my neighborhood in 2009. And I think it was reasonable like the real estate was still reasonable at that time. Oh, it definitely was. And I didn't have a career at that time, so there was no chance of me locking in anything. I was broke. How did you find your place? I mean, how did you end up at? Oh my god! Specifically off the Lorimer stop, or that's an exciting stop? question for me because that that little move was just like a zigzag. It's always the first year. Yeah, it was. Right? It was just like a hustle. <laughs> I think I spent the first year just finding a place, and yeah, I slept on an air mattress for like two years. <laughs> so pathetic! Oh my god, you outdid me. I did it for longer. I long. I I did long long not as long damn okay yeah miserable yeah so miserable <laughs> like one time i used uh um like a one of those puffy jackets as a blanket <laughs> such a loser i didn't need to do that i just wanted to feel alive i i can out but you finish i'll out lose you your, your mattress uh, yeah no um when i first moved here i had nothing set up I tried to look at places online before I came out, but I'm so glad I never went for anything because you cannot Craigslist your way into this heart <laughs> <laughs> from afar. Not from afar. Um, I lived in New Jersey, in Bergen, New Jersey, for like six months. And that's the only reason why I was out there was because my good friend who trained me to be a yoga teacher, which was like, stars in my eyes i'm gonna be a yoga teacher <laughs> yeah right there's like a thousand studios no you're gonna work in a meathead gym on graham avenue <laughs> that is another beautiful entry point but let's just stick to the topic okay. at hand yeah yeah well i in that. <laughs> yeah back to that um so my my friend was like my mom lives in bergen she's about she's probably gonna move at some point she's alone go with her she'll be happy to have you she picked me up from port authority god bless her heart oh. with my two stupid suitcases big giant rolly bags with my whole life in them that was really harsh and i was i'm so grateful to her she let me stay with her i almost moved in with some shady ass cat who got fired from the mta and wanted to like daddy me into the whole process the apartment was off of the Marcy Avenue, you know, like where that bus stop, the J, all the that all those buses are right there. Rodney. Yes. And, yes. Yes. Um, it was a huge apartment, eight hundred dollars a month, but shared kitchen, and he was kind of like an older gentleman. But I don't really know about the gentleman part. But I know that he wanted to like get involved and like walk me and help me pick out furniture and like he was a little bit too forward for me so I had this bad vibe and I ended up rejecting the apartment but I almost did it until this woman was like hey you don't have to rush into anything you can stay as long as you want and thank god because a friend of mine from yoga school Kimberly Parker Green I shouldn't say her name out loud but what are the chances that she'll hear this podcast no one listens to this podcast so great I feel safe but <laughs> she does podcasts often. but you are in an unsafe space I just want to let you know always this is, this at is all times safe space good that window could blow open at any second um being safe is boring and comfortable thank you we covered this in my last podcast <laughs> between two gay men we don't I don't want to go to a safe space concert what is that i don't know it it, it, it always backfires that's the thing because there's always risk and it, it, it it's funny because we recorded that before covid happened and i it's for me it's the same idea like you can't there's nothing you can do to not risk yourself when you leave it, especially in new york you know I and mean, it's insane how uh, in the world but much especially in new york how it's become so rigid but to apply that to culture we were talking about queer culture we were 
we were talking about, I completely forgot this happened, which is very Brooklyn. Uh, Brooklyn 2015. Did you remember this? I completely forgot this happened. Uh, that f fucking band Power Bottom. Do you remember that? No. There were two. Um, there were two homos. Um, let's be real. Just a couple of fags that exploited the. I mean, I've been playing in a queer band forever, but I'm not in a queer band. I'm just gay. But the nervous breakdowns have always had that element. But Brooklyn had this like era of like. I don't know. In, indie rock was in a certain place, probably around when I met you, and that's when they, this band came about called Power Bottom. So that's like a, you know, uh, I am not totally older lesbian. I know what a Power Bottom is. <laughs> Good <laughs> no? to hear. I got the basics now. Okay, mm -hmm. I, I lived in San Francisco long enough. But a band made that their name, and I found that like so. I personally thought it was tacky. But they were, uh, the idea was they're like a gay Weezer, but they're two piece, like the white stripes. And um, I got it, but I didn't really get it. Sounds and I, gimmicky. I was, yeah. I, and I'm not interested in gimmicky bands, period. I don't care if they're, if you have anything in common with my identity or sexual or cultural or otherwise. It's like, uh, I never got by um marketing myself as a gay but that's yeah. i was like oh shit but people are paying for this shit like straight people so i remember i went to um a certain bar and a certain bartender who you certainly you know who doesn't uh we've had an experience you know like yeah uh wow he's serving all the ladies i'm with right? i'm know? with you <laughs> And he's also a musician, but I'm sitting there one day and he comes up to me like, hey, yeah, have you, heard the, you like Power Bottom? And you know, that's for me, that's the death. That is the death of culture. When the, the counter invites you into something that they think that you are part of is like a terrible sign. So I have a straight white cis dude who plays in a band and I, you know, am not that, but I'm a musician. I play in a band too. But that's the thing with Brooklyn. It's this, everyone's in the band and uh, you know, I'm happen to be one of them. But this white guy that like chicks love is now inviting me to like power bottom and i was like no Bye. i'm good i'm good I'm that's good. when you know the milk's gone bad yeah <laughs> and i don't want to be right about these things because it you know uh, something smells rotten in denmark and then sure enough months later that band got signed to a like a major indie label and right before the record came out allegations came out that one of the guys had uh, sexually assaulted a, a cis woman but wait they're both gay see what a twist yeah and their whole thing at their shows like this is a safe space guys and they're just like a gay weezer also I don't want to listen to a gay weezer that sounds horrible also, uh, Weezer is gay. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to throw an extra on top of it. Yeah. God. What's his name? That little whiny ass? Uh, oh, God. Pigeon? Phoenix? Something? Uh, yeah. Uh, Phoenix is something? getting there. What is... <laughs> uh forget it uh he has an asian fetish that so i do know that this is true right probably um, but anyway apparently so did i guess this guy actually played up his fetish and like he went in on somebody and that was it and the whole thing fell apart like the record got pulled and it all fell apart but i think it it, it was a moment in time with this this idea that there's a 
this is what you get for going to a river squamo river squamo fuck you fuck That's you a, river squamo so we have a safe space and he what needs, show is it he needs one but he hasn't done anything yet he hasn't i remember you know what actually he was i saw i think i saw weezer at coachella one time and they were so boring it was a snooze fest and i think there was a a friend told me about a show they went to and people were heckling them and he got all upset he was like hey guys just stop you're like you're being really mean (laughs) (laughs) yeah so he's like just fucking dork yeah i mean they should have stopped uh they were good as sweater rock and that was their that was their their apex yeah i wish uh, they just stayed there yep even if the blue album I'll the, take it. I love and Pinkerton. For sure. Yeah. Done. Um, but anyway, to go back to Brooklyn and safe spaces, they don't exist. And I don't like, obviously you'll be, you'll be fine if you come over to do podcasts at my apartment. But the idea is like, you can come over to my apartment because it's a safe space. I mean, I think that when people say things like that, it, creeps me out because it's concerning well, it's supposed to be safe uh if i pay more than a dollar to walk into someplace it should be safer <laughs> than a place that it should be safer than a place i didn't pay a cover charge for you know what i'm saying that's what it's just it, it's ridiculous I mean, so paying a cover charge by itself is a whole thing listen for what they charge for a glass of wine at a shitty punk show in Brooklyn, I better be fucking safe for $10 for some shitty fucking uh, Franzia. Do you know what I mean? You're telling me. Like, I better be, I better be more than safe. The contract is unstated. (laughs) Okay, so anyway, let's, so let's, how do we wrap up? uh, Oh God, I was thinking I was going on too wild of a hair about my life. No, that's up. So you got here. Uh, yeah, it was 2009 of November. Yep. And then we met like get, two years ago. And then you got later. a, how did you get the, so you set up shop in Williamsburg. Yes. Okay. So I, okay. Move was New Jersey. Uh, then I moved to Ridgewood. I lived with this little 18 year old girl who's going to Pratt. I didn't know she was 18, dude. I felt really like a creeper because I was 29 at the time. This child was so young and impressionable, but I'll have, you know, she was from Canada. Her sister was mad cool. That was the only reason why I moved in there. Cause I thought that I was living with the sister, but I ended up living with a teenager. Very talented. She liked good hip hop. Respect to her. She was just a pig. We had cockroaches. It was disgusting. I moved by train to East Williamsburg right off of Grand Street on Meserol Street. Some kid rented me a room in the apartment, four bedrooms in the apartment. They had a backyard. He had it. He was a kind of like an evil genius operating on the um, opportunity of the time. He was charging me eight fifty for my room and I saw his rent check on the table and I looked at it and it was like thirteen to fifteen hundred dollars. So like I was paying like hundred and fifty percent. I had one of those. <laughs> I was I like, got, ah when it. you get got, you got got I got got in two thousand and seventeen. How it. would you you know, he was smart because he took the small room with no windows, but he was paying like a hundred dollars and so was his buddy and me and this other girl who would um like get naked with her boyfriend and leave the door open. <laughs> that was cool. I was sleeping on an air mattress at that time. And then after that, I found my roommate who ended up being the inundation to my New York experience in life, Bessie. Mm-hmm. Yup. And that's when I met. That's, that's the year I, that I met. Yep, it, that's, it's in that, within that's that about era. that range when I met I have you. to say that I, too, got um, taken, hmm. but I won. Okay, I che- tell me. I, I, I cheated the cheater. So um, I didn't have – I had, like, the worst year. I think I had the worst two years that anyone could have. And one person told me the first year is the hardest – another person like no it's actually two years and i was like oh i got the two-year version 
but um, I I got taken at one place um, that I had in my first year in New York I had to go to small claims court like I learned Spicy. fast and hard when I got here <laughs> this dude took all my money but um, I fucked him up but then I had to find some place to stay with all my money gone and I found this place off of Grand and Humboldt oh and it was above that it used to be a hardware store now it's like some restaurant i think that's where mosh on the bear is i don't know okay it's like right off of grand too. yeah that sounds about but right. i got in there and my boyfriend um wasn't living in england but he'd come and visit and he was trying to help me and i was like strapped financially um too and just craigslisting my ass off trying to find any place in that vicinity because i had friends in that neighborhood and that just seemed like the place I was supposed to live um so we before he flew out we looked at one place and we walked in and it was queer friendly and I had a cat at this time and we walked up but I was like this is super punk rock and I don't know if it's in a good way or it doesn't seem it just seemed like I was taking stuff back but there's literally graffiti on the wall um, it was a massive, it was like a second floor walk up and it was like a flat. It had two rooms that faced the street, small, tiny rooms, sort of like a, a living room in that alcove, a hallway, a kitchen, and then three other rooms. So I think it was like a five bedroom apartment, but there was graffiti everywhere, like on the walls. Yes. And it was smoked gritty smoke super gritty dude they smoked without opening windows oh cigarettes tobacco like tobacco locked in the air like you could almost grab the air with your hands and i needed something yeah that's a deep and i took a room Mm -hmm. and it was this weird guy i suspect he was queer and you know they wanted the queer person so i took it and there was like a japanese girl like a fashion student that took the room next to me but it seemed like the other three on the other side of the house had been there a while yeah and then i took it i needed something and then i remember they told me of course after i move in uh oh don't worry about the the landlord's uh uh brother owns the hardware store so if he yells obscenities at you when you walk out don't just ignore him like (laughs) Oh. wait what That's what's going on here <laughs> and then I met the Japanese girl fashion student you know day one day two and then day three I'm like what happened to where's uh you know Miyoko or whatever it's like oh she decided not to take the place uh the the brother of the landlord uh got physical <laughs> with the she decided to move back to Japan. I know she was like, I'm not fucking moving in here. And I was like, wait, what? This is slowly not being Can a place I that not I thought. Can I not move in here? <laughs> and then it just got weirder and weirder. Uh. So every day it got weirder and then my cat would walk out to hang out with them and I got weird possessive about her going out because I was like, I don't want her bonding with these people because I don't even want to... Don't know. What yeah, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. And it's like a bizarre household. Mm. Like, the guy that he's like, I'm a musician too and I'm like, you always seem like you're on drugs. And there was like this super cool... Tr- it, like, I'm. this is 2007. This predates all this trans shit. At a trans court stenographer okay I, I her name was tori court stenographer stenographer the person that that, tra- that's that what it, takes that's down the, right? the account that types. yes yeah trans yeah I, it was like a trans household so like this is cool okay um but the stenographer part it just added to the it's just the, like it gave it a lot of dimension yes yeah. and I'm not against this. Also, profe- I'm not either. <laughs> yeah, she no, was awesome. She was a, fun. She was a business lady. <laughs> so I, it made me feel. I'm not with safe. the smoking though. No, but yeah. <laughs> she had smoking. Yo, her got hair him, was like it was like um, working girl, but it it in a bad like if working girl was stuck 
in like a smoke box. Yeah, because it was just. Section. Yeah, her hair was permed. It was like oh cool. This, yeah, but <laughs> when the cigarette was it a doesn't tight perm leave, or was it, a loose the, perm? it was a loose perm. But it didn't make sense. But depending on your community, right? Yeah. So anyway, she seems stable because she was a stenographer. So I was trying to figure out what was going on. Like, oh, I guess that person has a stable job. This guy, Dan, he doesn't seem to work ever. So um, my rent check bounced, (laughs) right? My deposit bounced, I think. I think I had to pay a deposit. So he was like, hey, um, you're... Your check bounce? Can you like? I was like, okay. Gee whiz. But <laughs> I was like, I'll try to figure it out. I mean, not much You're has like, changed. I'll see what's <laughs> up if I feel like it. But when I figured out what was when I what happened was it forced me to figure out what was actually going on. So I was being charged for a room, but they had been squatting. Oh, so that was like their funny money. They were mm-hmm. like, use. Oh my. So squatting, you say? Yeah. Humble and grand? 2006? Seven. seven. Well, well, well. Because, you know, you got to go to court. I mean, that was about the time of the crash. Remember TK? He was squatting. Yeah. It was a thing then. It was a thing. And I, thank God, figured out quick enough to get out. So I borrowed my friend Teresa's car, who lived in the neighborhood, and I drove up, but I had to move my two suitcases my bed or something and my cat and my guitar oh and did you I did sign three... paperwork nope but that doesn't mean i had to walk past his room i woke up at five in the morning and like tiptoed out downstairs what to wake up that? he doesn't have a job so he doesn't have a sleeping pattern yeah just oh. garbage bags for my stuff throw in the car i have a ticket because it's past six like i got a ticket on the Super. car i was like i gotta get out of here load a car and then the last thing i needed and this is really picturesque is a uh, one last little the last thing i'm gonna grab is my cat and my guitar those are the two most important things to me in life my cat most importantly so i go up for the last like i'm almost out my car's out in front walk up the stairs tiptoe squeeze peaches into a cage and the cat's name is peaches the symbolism is so rich (laughs) and i walk out and i push the door open and i'm holding my cat and my guitar and he comes out of his bedroom foiled again and i'm like are you? Do you like freeze in that moment, holding one guitar and one cat in each arm? <laughs> this is my life. Okay, you're and like you're like story, 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 story. Hey, <laughs> fancy meeting you here. What's up? What was your angle? Were you like, I'm gonna just um, do a, like a light show and disappear, or were you gonna address it? I um, I was honest. I just said definitely no light show i was like yeah this i'm sorry this i said i'm sorry this just isn't working yeah like i was like he's like that's my cue and he's in front of me you know what i mean so i'm kind of like i don't want this to you know and i just I walk slowly past him. And he says nothing? Nothing. Because he knows. He knows. But you know what he also knows? He knows that I know. I figured out what's going on here. Yeah. And I'm out of here. Yep. And. Mama did. Because I told him I'll give you your check tomorrow. Just keep him off me. And I didn't. Okay, okay. Well, that was the thing I was, like, trying to get out before. It was a ruse. Yeah, but he... He earned it. I decided not to confront him about the situation. I knew that they were squatting, but I was like, it's best that I leave. I don't want to have my shit in there and be like, yo, you didn't didn't tell me you were fucking squatting. I don't know your shit. Yeah. 
you know, because I was supposed to be the income for that household until they got taken to court, which takes at least three months to the courts. It still does to be evicted. Well, it's a it's a genius undertaking. Yeah. And that's. They tried it. Yeah. I, I also have to tell you that. Oh, that's why I could take my bed with me at an air mattress. The air mattress that my friend gave me. This is the third place I've lived, by the way, within eight months of living in New York. It had a um, a hair, a hair of a hole in it. So every night I would sleep. I would, by morning, I'd wake up on the ground because it was, it, of it course, was like a it slow would deflate bleed. slow. Mm-hmm. Just, just enough time so that. By the sixth hour, so unattractive. it should be flat. Guess what? Mine did the same thing, <laughs> but I have no awareness of a hole in it. It just deflated slowly over time, and I slept on it like that. But you know what? Hard knocks. Am I right? You and I are both <laughs> built to kill. We're uh, so. <laughs> so it's no coincidence that we should end up at the same work place. So you're, are you pursuing yoga as your career? So I guess at this time I was really motivated to be a full-time yoga teacher and I was facilitating my income with retail. I worked as a host at La Palapa and Mercer Kitchen and then eventually got a nice little sweet position at DeWine Spot. That was my bread and butter for the most part because yoga is like... It's not lucrative if you've heard any uh, business about it. It's like one hour here, one hour there. And being in New York City, I realized that that was like the worst thing I could do for myself because it takes an hour to get anywhere, you know? Like, So if you have a gig in like Williamsburg and a gig on the Upper East Side, you have to have like two hours in between like transitioning from one to the other and you're making like $35 per gig. So it's like, yeah, good luck with that. It's <laughs> like 12 times a week to make decent income. And then by the time you build up your roster to that end, it takes a long time because you have to like groom the mm-hmm. studio, blah, blah, blah. You get one slot a week just so that they get to know you. But it was nice that I worked at the wine store because it was like right in my neighborhood. And the reason why I got that job was because I was working at that slimy meathead gym on Grand Street. And this girl came to my yoga class and Lack she's like, power gym. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolute no power. power. No power. What's called power no, gym? Absolute power. Absolute. Absolutely uh, no power gym. Grand Street. That place was such a sinkhole it was so gross i knew it was bad because i walked in and i was like hi i have a yoga resume if you would and they were like you're hired please when can you start i was like wow nobody's ever not made me audition before to get a gig it there was holes in the wall there was hairballs on the floor it was like local guys slamming weights one guy came to my class and in shoulder stand, his balls pressed through his gym pants, which had a hole in them. It was just it's like a slimy gig, you know. But I, but you know what? I was like, hey, I ain't too proud to be. <laughs> Left eye quotes all the way now. You got me. You're down the road. Same price as the other places. I'll, I'm with you. Whatever you need. And then this lovely little neighborhood lady is like, you want to go to brunch? She's like from Oklahoma. She's all friendly and shit. I'm like, sure, I got no friends. I'll do that. And she's like, hey, what's going on? I'm nervous. I don't have money and I don't have a job. She's like, come work at the wine store up the street. I was like, I don't know about wine. She's like, no one does at the store. It's fine. And she was a patron of the wine shop. She worked, she worked there. there. Oh, she knew Alex. She knew the old owner. She was in with him. She got me in. If it wasn't was, for he was her, an Asian guy, right? Mexican. Mexican. Was he? Yeah. Was there an Asian guy who worked there? Not that I remember. Okay. Yeah. But there was like what I was going there 
before you did that and there i think there are literally two people worked there yeah there was an asian guy that maybe worked I was, there. maybe but, i was the asian guy oh <laughs> uh, no no but um yeah i started working there in like 2010 and um everybody kind of fled because alex was taking money out of the register because <laughs> his like child support was too high and he couldn't deal he had like a like two girls and a girlfriend and he was living on kent and it got spicy oh, and i think like i think like he was actually affiliated with the bottle shop they were partners the people from the bottle shop gave him a little wedge and he opened up the wine spot and it's a shame because he had incredible creative vision he had marketing ability he was good with customer base but he had no financial stakehold he could not handle managing inventory and the funds end of it mm -hmm. he mismanaged we had no wine in the store we were burning bridges with wine <laughs> like Polly from certain brand would come to the store demanding payment and he would hide <laughs> in the bathroom it was embarrassing I worked at another wine shop like that, so very familiar. It was like <laughs> 10 bottles of wine, and people were like, are you guys okay? And I was like, yeah, we're changing inventory. Oh, my God. It's like when we're transitioning from summer to yeah. winter. <laughs> or winter to summer. What can you recommend? I was like, well, there's a red and a white. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it, it was like I've the menu there. at an old Italian <laughs> restaurant. Yo. But then it took. But then so here comes, well, so he wouldn't admit what was going on with the store because his pride was too strong. And at some point, it just became inevitable. Like, people had the foresight to leave, but I was too trapped by my own um, lack of income. So I just kept on and kept on. And I was the one, 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 uh, employee that transitioned from the old management to the new i was the only one and it was really hard because when Ilya came in he was very um oh man how old would he have been at that time to be like his first business so Ilya, which the, you cracking 30 oh my right? my, my 30 cracking it yeah cracking 29 it. to 30 years mm -hmm. old right yeah. big ego a lot to prove yeah. Failed business before. Russian, Russian Jew. Russian Father in the liquor industry. Mm -hmm. Dad's like, don't fuck this up. <laughs> this is your last <laughs> chance. So he was very, like, suspicious of me because Alex wasn't, in his eyes, trustworthy. Therefore, by association, I wasn't trustworthy. And he kind of had to, like... But he also needed me because he's not good at hiring people. That's not his forte. He's a numbers guy. I was the neighborhood girl. He was the numbers guy. And we kind of had a good harmony, even though he mm -hmm. was really frustrating to deal with on, on many levels. But but I know that he um, he's like a very skilled businessman. He is. He, you guys were the – that was a good – combination because that's i met you then i'll never forget that day it was me and tim and you came in and we were like you smell great <laughs> you had just come from puerto rico coffee right yeah i forgot and i, I think coffee. tim put a plastic bag on his head for your entertainment and i think i might have tried to follow suit and you didn't bad an eye you were just like nothing shocking <laughs> and we really thought that we were kind of blowing your mind like i don't know what came over us it's like when a, a little kid's older sister brings their friends home and you want to show off for them or whatever you know i had that vibe with you like i could act the fool with you and you would understand and i i know that i employed that not I mean, I didn't do that every single time. That would have been exhausting. But I think, like, that just means that there was an unspoken connection. Yeah, I agree. I do remember this night, but, it, I, but I wouldn't remember the, the part bag where I'm like, head. I'm not fucking with this yeah, shit. Yeah, because yeah. 
that's every five minutes of my life in <laughs> <laughs> No, like, yeah. I'm on the train. I'm not fine. I don't know. Did we, like, offer you a job right away? <laughs> I don't I think we might have. Like, it's if we had that kind of power. We're like, do you want to work here? <laughs> you can. I think if if it wasn't if it wasn't it was implied and it went from there and that's what yeah it was you that initiated me working there oh yeah yeah for sure i think i had the audacity to believe that that store was partially mine but it was like it is yours it was emotionally mine but you are i mean uh this is the the idea that i think when especially for retail and service workers i think it's really interesting that the owner oftentimes isn't the face of the business and in fact the face is the business yeah and the owner ends up being just the numbers person yeah which numbers are important are essential to business but when you work service and retail the face or the sort of spirit of the business is actually more important because you can't produce any i don't think you can produce capital at least in a hot spot like brooklyn yeah or new york like these are i don't think people came in and i most places i work people don't come in solely for the product it's the experience right uh be it you know even some even if it's like a negative experience like there's a there's an addiction with people want to see somebody even if they don't say that to you mm-hmm. you know and i think that you predated him being present and people were coming in to see you despite you transferring into his you know his yeah. having it and this is this happens all the time you know i this happened to me at my last coffee job where i went through the management shift and i was the only person that stayed and it was fucking weird and then everyone asked me what happened to everyone of the you know the old manager and i was set, i was left to explain what happened but to sort of hold hold down the spirit that existed before the new person came in when I think it's such a weird thing to deal with because you're not first of all you're not compensated to do that that's called management 100% (laughs) and it was not a coincidence that your previous manager and the new manager decided on that they're like we need a liaison to explain (laughs) shit do this now and people feel safe it's just like a very smart management move right can i uh pun intended insert uh, every time can we insert is it fair to say that we call this a uh between the boards of uh cinematography and gay culture can we say this is a dp for yeah, uh, retail. Yeah, this I would this is say double so. penetration. I would right? say so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. You're lying in wait with both hands on. <laughs> you get your. <laughs> you get your hand on the notch. The, yeah, waiting. The, the, which end is going to come in? You know, past, present, future. <laughs> you're just like the channel from. You're like, here's my shishimni nada. Take me up the seminal vesicle. Let's go. Yeah, I just want to keep my paycheck. <laughs> no, I mean, I definitely think that I have penis envy because everything becomes a euphemism for wiener <laughs> in my eyes. Like, well, you're in the right, you're in a not safe space, so that's perfect. You're in a, <laughs> you're in a good place to do that. Uh, but yeah, um, Ilya was smart to keep me. He knew he needed me, but he hated it, but he liked it. It was, it was like a, we grew to be family in a way, you know, like I saw him trust me over the years and i was a mess and he put up with it because he recognized my talents he's like this girl gets drunk on the job and she's (laughs) sloppy and emotional but she's good at what she does yeah nope i agree i witnessed it (laughs) 
was like, come on, you're paying me? What? How many dollars an hour? <laughs> I get to get drunk while I work. Like, I mean, don't. one of the best things about that job was getting yeah, the The boundaries were very loose. I mean, I pissed him off many a time, but, you know, that's how family do. They get past shit, and it's okay. Um, I'm really glad that I think the wine store was a really, um, like a cornerstone of my New York life because mm-hmm. it brought me into all the friendships that I feel are a collection of really, really superb human beings. And I'm so lucky that I had that as an access point. But also I think like the people that came into my life that way are really happy that I was the wine spirit guide, I guess, because that store was like a home for people. It got a little too familiar as you have noticed, but that was what was cool about it. Honestly. Yeah. I agree. Like even I don't even live in that neighborhood, but I would commute to that job. Even the days That. that I didn't work, I didn't skip, I worked four blocks away, but even on my days off, uh, when I needed extra, like, it was worth, you know, I commuted, like, from Queens to work at a wine shop. Yes. You know, because it was, it certainly wasn't the pay. I mean, I needed money, um, so it was part desperation, but also, um, it was, it was rewarding in that it was really community Strong in a weird way vibes. it really was communal like it always had that even if it was like a regular customer that you hate yeah that's part uh, people you hate so is part much. of a community yeah believe it or not yeah so you got to see these assholes because it makes it a good it keeps because it... when the good person comes you're like oh my god thank god that bitch was here i can't fucking stand her like oh that bitch she lives next door to me i fucking hate her like oh and that's called a community right? nothing brings people together like like Hating. shared hatred <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's totally the thing yeah no um it was a community vibe and the fact that people would commute to hang out there is tremendous feedback like that's the ultimate feedback that you can get. Mm-hmm. You're drawing in people energetically from other huge. And um, this was like Brooklyn's at this point booming with wine shops like and things to do. Blowing so up. to seek out this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, and it's it's I mean, it's so small. So small. It didn't couldn't. So it could small. compete with the biggest wine shops. And people would not leave. Like, they would come <laughs> and they would open their bottle on the table and want to shoot the shit and drink and unload their shit. Yeah. On. We were, it was like, um, it was like a, a BYOB. Yes. But you were allowed to purchase the alcohol within mm-hmm. and get a recommendation mm-hmm. to bring it back. To the person bringing you up, it got hectic. Sometimes <laughs> it got a little I mean, hectic like, inside. Why are there like Mariah classes Carey. in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, there was one time some guy was doing drugs in the bathroom, and I think I made some bad decisions. <laughs> 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 like I let somebody like. Hey, I've. That's you... eternal. That's every place I worked in San Francisco. Yeah. You know, like the the bathroom parameter. Yeah tricky tricky um but yeah um i'm so glad that i was a part of creating that atmosphere i think that Ilya was so lucky with who he got in that store like everybody was tremendous there was somebody that was working there that lived on dykeman street like in inwood that would commute from inwood to that store so i think like that's the ultimate form of like because that's like an hour plus (laughs) yeah right it's like an hour 10 commute that's wild yo no do you want to open another bottle yes let's do can we yeah 